Welcome to Season 3 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. In this episode, I'm joined by singer and songwriter Tom Spate, and I'm really looking forward to chatting to him all about his music and life. Um, but first, a huge welcome to the podcast, Tom. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having us on, Lucy. So take me back to kind of when you were younger and like, have you always been musical and enjoyed singing? Yeah, I didn't grow up in like a kind of like a musical kind of family household, but um, there was a guitar in my uh, sister's bedroom. I don't know how it got there. I can't, I don't remember her really playing it that much, but it was just in the corner of the uh, bedroom. It kind of always used to stare at me and um yeah, I just started playing it really, but I suppose before that happened, um, I was ever since I can remember, I've always loved music, and um, my parents do have, even though they don't play instruments, they have like um, great music taste, I think, and they've always kind of, as a, one of my fondest memories of kind of growing up was kind of being in the back seat of my mum's car, listening to, you know, the cassettes that she was playing and stuff, and. Um, and then my sister, I've got three sisters. My older sister, her boyfriend, uh, strangely made me four mixtapes, which was quite interesting because obviously normally he probably should be making his girlfriend <laughs> the mixtapes, but it was for me. And um, I suppose, and that kind of initially sparked again my musical interest. So that I, I must have been about eight years old when it kind of completely took over. And then I kind of just again... I have I can't remember the day I picked up the guitar in my sister's bedroom, but it was followed followed shortly after, like you know, listening to something like Oasis's "Live Forever" on a compilation of like now thirty three or something. You know, it was it was it was a very much like um yeah a childhood thing that kind of just came out of nowhere. But I can't really remember the exact moment um, that it kind of fell into place really. But um. Yeah, always been a big music fan and it's just kind of it's kind of taken over my life ever since, really. Just like being completely immersed in that world of just being I, I always think back to when, you know, how I am to now, even though I have music as a career and stuff, I'm ultimately just a big music fan. And mm-hmm. um, and that's never really gone away since I was eight, eight years old. Yeah. And, and I guess kind of you're not just a singer, you're also a songwriter. So kind of. How did, how did, I don't know, like, what's your, your progression been from the first song you wrote or kind of that process? Is it like you wake up in the middle of the night and you've got words or what's that like? So, um, again, like when I was a kid, I, the great thing about being a child, I think, is you don't really second guess things. And again, I, when I was writing songs at that age, I was definitely not thinking about anything apart from that I enjoyed doing it. And um it wasn't in probably until about university that I kind of thought, oh, maybe I could do this as a job. Um, it took a long, long time to kind of break through into the industry as well. So it definitely wasn't like an overnight um, success story, anything like that. But um, yeah, songwriting for me can happen at any time of the day. Mainly when I was single, it used to happen at night when I was kind of <laughs> on my lonesome um writing songs at midnight and you know I really enjoyed that process and now it kind of happens more when I'm on tour or 
I suppose just getting any downtime from anything really it's just always been like my kind of go-to kind of thing to uh, escape reality really yeah and I guess for people who don't like don't know your songs or anything how would you kind of describe kind of your music genre and also kind of how your career has taken off to where you are now yeah sure I think it's um it's definitely it's like acoustic folk pop I think that's probably the best best way to describe it there's there's like um you know there's a very the pop element comes from the fact that it's quite um how do I say it like I think anyone can kind of get on with it whether you're a you're a kid or you're an ATL woman, I think you can find something in it that you'll probably, you know, relate to or something in it. Um, and it's influenced by like all the big names, all the great songwriters like the Beatles or Oasis or Elson John or anything like that. For me, the most important thing is the songs and my career kind of, my the person who gave me the first kind of big break or kind of first bit of showing me any interest was uh, the band Keen. And they kind of took me under their wing, did my first ever set of demos and kind of gave me a kind of gateway into the music industry, really, and introduced me to a lot of people. And then ever since then, it's kind of been a slow and steady build of kind of releasing albums and singles and touring and going to new countries. And I see it as like a, a bus of people kind of gradually getting on board and the bus getting bigger and bigger. And um, it's been an amazing experience. And I've kind of I've never ever taken it for granted, really, how lucky I am to be doing it. Mm. And you've got a new album out on the 11th of August, I think, Love and Light. Um, what can people expect from that? Oh, well, if you're if you're a first time listener, I think you'll be there's a bit of something for everyone in there. I think if you like the upbeat kind of songs, then there's there's that. There's also like more kind of downbeat, sensitive kind of singer songwriter stuff in there. Um, if you're a fan of the albums you've previously owned the other the first and second album I reckon I think you'll think there's been a slight progression I don't think I've like completely escaped my former work but I think it's like it's just a natural progression of where I am at the minute and I've the the I was thinking about it as well like I was listening back to some of the early recordings of my like before I released an album and I think I have kind of come a long way vocally and with my songwriting and I, I feel really proud of this record. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy that how long I, I finished it kind of last summer and I was been writing over the last two summers. So I've had some of the songs for nearly two years. So I'm really itching to kind of get, get it out there. But the way um, the vinyl works uh, at the moment, you have to hand in your record and wait about nine months before you get it back. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it just takes so long because there's like a real shortage of like final plants. And um, so, yeah, I just can't wait for everyone to hear it, really. That must be such a weird thing. The fact that like obviously you've written them two years ago or recorded them and yeah. you, you'll like know the songs well, but like no one else has heard them other than obviously your team and people you work with, etc. But like the public haven't heard them. Um, what's that like kind of? On, so how will you be what we be doing on the 11th of August when we everyone's streaming? It's 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 like it's like having like your um a big secret that you kind of want to tell everyone uh, like a, I suppose maybe I don't know if you got engaged or had a baby or I haven't done any either of those things but I imagine that's the kind yeah. of feeling you're kind of dying to tell people about it and um it's kind of a bit like that you know um the the exciting thing for me is kind of 
releasing the record and then just playing it live and um we're doing some big shows in the uk and we're going to places like brazil and all these kind of incredible things is like that's the kind of that's the exciting part and also hearing your songs on radio is just awesome and i was shopping the other day in tesco are we allowed to mention brands on this oh yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) um not that i'm affiliated to tesco in any way but um I was shopping, doing my weekly shop, and I heard the song in Tesco, and I was like, wow, that's just really weird. You know, I wrote that in my bedroom in my pants. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like you just, you never know where it's going to end up. And we've had a lot of support with, like, TV shows, whether it be, like, Love Island or Mastermind, not Mastermind, um, MasterChef and uh, Strictly Come Dancing, all of these kind of shows, and you just think it's, it is really nuts that, you know, that you write these songs and they end up on soundtrack in someone's day in some way (laughs) yeah that is mad actually like there's songs in love island and things that like acoustic ones that maybe you've not heard of i'm always like shazamming them straight away so yeah we had we had one this week and it was um off the new record it was aftermath which is is the most depressing song on the record by by a long stretch and it was and it was basically two uh do you call them contestants what do we call love island island yeah like the islanders or whatever islanders yeah let's call them the islanders yeah so the islanders were like just can't like they looked like they were just in pain <laughs> and then my song was just like soundtrack and obviously they were having an argument and um yeah it's just mad when you think about it like that um that it's you know it's kind of, it's cool isn't it it's what it mm-hmm. you know when i was growing up as a kid like that's you know i remember discovering you know some of my favorite artists from like the oc and stuff and you know, it's cool to have your songs on TV shows. So I'm, I'm always happy about it, really. And how does that work for you in terms of like rights and things? Do they kind of buy, I don't know, so, like one use of it or how does that work? That's an interesting question. Like, so in the UK, if you're on a show like Love Island or Master Chef, I don't know why I keep on saying Mastermind, Master Chef or Strictly Gun Dancing, any of those kind of shows, you basically sign a waiver when it's released uh, for like a blanket license. So they can use it. They don't even have to ask you, they can just use it. But if you're in America, like we've had a few songs on like um, films and like uh, TV shows over there, that's a law more of a kind of a, a bigger process of like clearing it. And that's also financially as well, like really, it can be quite life-changing having a show, having a song on on a big show, like a Grey, Grey's Anatomy or something, you know? is is a lot of money whereas love island and things like that eastenders all of these kind of shows is less money involved um yeah that's kind of the so if if you get a song in america you know the milky bars are on us but if it's generally if it's on love island or anything like that it's more kind of about the awareness of you know reaching a new audience with that song rather than financial gain yeah Yeah. you not being in the music industry you always just presume if your song is played somewhere even like I always think even in like a DJ set that the artist must have been informed or must have checked but obviously not the case no and I I think it's like you know I I often find out that my songs are on something by a fan getting in contact and saying oh we've just heard everything's waiting for you on Strictly Come Dancing or or uh, Dancing on Ice or anything like that. And it's it's kind of like, it's nice in some ways because it's, it's obviously a bit of a surprise. But um, yeah, you never really know where it's going to end up unless it's like America where they do have to kind of get clearance. 
And that's why as well, you don't really hear many um, Beatles songs kind of really in films because they, a lot of people like artists kind of, I would say pre early noughties that didn't really like to put their music to adverts and things like that. Um, But it's obviously now it's like, you know, it's hard to make money in music. So I think, you know, you'd be mad to turn down an advert or something. You need like um, a Jet 2 type advert, don't you, with that song that Jess Glynn sings. It's just like, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, You know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's had a couple. Even the Clean Bandit guys as well. They had like Marks and Spencers, didn't they? You need, you can get, yeah, it's a lot. You know, there is money to be made in in the uh, industry. I think it's just like just takes time and a bit of luck as well it's a lot of it is luck and just kind of keep going and kind of just you know working your you know working hard and just getting your songs out there but a lot of it does boil down to luck and we've had a lot of luck with you know with people at Spotify championing us or Radio 2 wanting to champion us we've had definitely a lot of luck as well yeah I mean it's an industry that requires a lot of resilience which you also have um with having Crohn's disease as well, like myself. Um, why don't you talk to me a little bit about that diagnosis and kind of mm-hmm. your journey so far? Because, I mean, you look incredibly well at the moment, but I yeah. know to you that you can look great, but your insides can be killing you, so... <laughs> yeah, well, oh, thanks for, for, obviously, for the, you know, for the compliment on my health, but I think it's, like, it, it's, it's been a real journey. Like, I've had it for... 16 years now which is kind of crazy like and it's this at this minute touch wood like it's the best health I've been in for like yeah since I've kind of been diagnosed really and I think it's when you're on that journey and you'll know it as well like you it's you're constantly learning about things and you're constantly learning how to manage your health Mm. and getting the right treatment the right medication the right diet the right gastro doctor all of these things have to align your stress levels Mm. um your sleep everything has to align to kind of you know for it to get into that maximum kind of health really and i think what crohn's has given me is like like you said that kind of uh resilience um tenacity to kind of just strive to to make the most of life because when you're feeling well it's you know and it's definitely in in the um early stages of my diagnosis to feel well was quite a rarity and like you kind of think oh I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna definitely do you know you want to make the most of everything and um I've lost you know I, I feel like with my 20s I lost a lot of my 20s to kind of the illness really and to being in hospital for a long amount of time to kind of just being below par and I think when you have an illness like this as well you kind of get used to feeling below par Hmm. and and that isn't normal and that's not right and um so you know it it it, I'm sounding kind of depressing with it but what it has given me is like yeah like that resilience and also being optimistic that things will get better because I know it they will get better because I have felt good and you, you kind of do go through like a wave of emotions and and good health with with the um with the condition because one day you can feel dreadful and the next day you can feel all right so it is it's about kind of taking the good days in uh when you can really and I do think that there is more awareness around Crohn's and like ulcerative colitis and IBD in general and I think yeah. a lot more, there's a lot of people get it and I think that one of the hardest things is because you don't know why you get it or it just comes on or there's you know there's not a 
they've not found the exact reasoning why people get Crohn's and etc so it is really hard to kind of accept that diagnosis like I was um 14 so well, like yourself yeah. I lost most of my high school to not really feeling feeling great and like you said like one day being fine and one day not it's kind of a lot to a lot of inconsistency when you just kind of want the stability but I'm guessing like you when you were those experiences kind of led to I don't know some songs that kind of reflected that yeah I think there's always been like like um a germ of hope in my songs and I think that's definitely come from the illness and stuff and I think you know it's interesting to hear you say like you're 14 and I was I think I was like 18 or 19 and I think at that those ages are like you kind of don't really want to you know you just don't think of being ill at those ages because it is so young and you kind of I I don't know if you can relate to this but I was definitely in denial for the first couple of years with the illness and I don't know how you were um but it was just like I uh, even and I, I, I bet you know it's nice to hear that you're saying obviously people the awareness has gone up for the uh disease and stuff but when I initially got diagnosed 16 years ago I, I didn't know what it was and mm. I don't think you know I feel like it has come a long way in in that time so that's you know that is I think things are getting better in the medication and I think the awareness and all of this really helps and um you know regarding songs you know I've written songs while I've been in hospital and you know and it's definitely been like a cathartic way of kind of just escaping what I was going through yeah but like the medication is tough on your body as well and like the checks mm -hmm. and monitoring you have to have for for those kind of immune suppressants and things and like the steroids like you can feel yeah and I love being on the steroids because you feel like you can do anything and you've got so much energy, but then they're not good for you. It's a, it's a tough You get the moon face on steroids as well. Yeah, my 18th birthday, just this massive round face, <laughs> yeah. but living my best life and eating so much food. But yeah, just the... Yeah. It's a weird thing that I like the steroids. So if you go back to like my music videos, you can almost go steroids, not steroids. It's like, it's literally like you can see it in my face and... um yeah I hate them I hate steroids but you know they are uh what they, they're kind of like a I see it as steroids as like they stamp out the fire but they don't stop the fire mm. that's, that's yeah. the kind of thing they do but um yeah it's I kind of talked about having a stoma and mm. something like something like having a stoma as well is you know with the medication and all this stuff I, I'm just super kind of thankful that we've got medication and you know and an awareness and knowledge from modern medicine and surgical operations like a stoma that, that these things are possible because otherwise you know I wouldn't be here so it's um yeah it is a it's a crazy kind of thing to wrap your head around but um it's yeah I feel sorry that obviously you've had it since you were 14 that's that that's not great you learn to manage don't you when you learn like mine's very much stress related and kind of yeah. by diet and also by other treatments and things but but it is it is a tough one, and I think because you don't, it's just you can flare so easily and everything. It is so um like unusual. Um, just on your stoma bag, if if you um, yeah, sure. don't mind. So obviously, and like no pun intended, but it takes like a lot of guts to come out and say yeah. say about that. And obviously, that that kind of turns Crohn's into from like an invisible illness to a very visible kind of yeah. Well, in some ways, look, I've had it for 10 years and, 
you, you know, it was invisible. Like, you know, I used to, I played, I reckon about a thousand gigs in, in those 10 years. And like, no one would have gone, ah, he's got a stoma. No one would have known. So in that respect, it's still invisible, um, you know. So I I feel like the reason I came out with talking about having a stoma now is because there's a, there's, there's a multiple reasons, really. Um, one, I wasn't ready 10 years ago to, to kind of talk about it. The, you know, I, I just started off with my career releasing songs and things like that. And I never want to be defined of mm. kind of being a victim of like Crohn's or anything like that. And um, I wanted always it to be kind of like empowering, you know, that, you know, I was had this disease, but I've done this, you know, that kind of thing. And then the other reasons I didn't, well, I feel kind of confident enough to talk about it. And I was, you know, I've been single and stuff like that. And that was kind of always a big barrier of like, there's definitely a, a feeling of stigma when it comes to uh, being a man and kind of being vulnerable and not, you know, and all those kind of things. But I'm in, you know, happy relationship and, you know, my girlfriend and my family and people I've met through the Crohn's and Colitis UK community kind of, inspiring me to kind of say actually I should talk about it and you know hopefully inspire people to kind of my younger self to say it's you know it's going to be fine you're going to be all right and it's not that bad whereas at the time when I initially had the surgery I thought like you know how can I do music how am I you know what girl's going to want to be with me all of these horrible thoughts that you have to yourself but then you realize you speak to more and more people and then you realize actually it's not that big of a deal. And if someone didn't want to be with you for whatever reason, because of that, then they're definitely the wrong people. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's, I'm pleased that I did talk about it. And I actually, since talking about it in May, I feel kind of more confident in myself to kind of be open and I don't know, just more, I suppose like a just, just to be me really which I mean, is I think a really positive thing yeah I mean it's just so brave and I think like going on national tv and talking about it like putting that on your putting a video on your own um, social media kind of yeah. as much as social media is a great place like that must have been really nerve-wracking or what what was it like just like you said like a weight off your shoulders once you'd yeah do you know and the feedback was amazing I didn't have one troll and, you know, you do get trolls, like, especially when you do something like uh, BBC Breakfast or Good, Good Morning Britain, you get trolls watching those shows. Like, I didn't have one. I had more trolls when they showed the video of me dancing. <laughs> you know, that got the more negative feedback. But, um, yeah, like, it was, you know, if you're going to be that type of person to try and pull, you know, pull someone down by saying that I've got a stoma, then you need to have a word with yourself, really. I think that's the thing. And uh, there, there shouldn't be a stigma because ultimately, like, it saved my life. And there's a lot of people out there with one and they shouldn't feel like they can't talk about it. Like, I think, you know, it's just, it's not a secret you want to keep. No, no, for sure. I mean, you'd be such a good, great role model for, for like younger children and people as well who are having it and coming, I guess, to terms with it and like the Crohn's yeah. in general. Um, I know that you're an ambassador for the Crohn's and Colitis UK charity. Do you want to chat a little bit about their, like what they do, um, like their support and stuff for other people with Crohn's and colitis? Yeah, I just think what I've discovered through the charity is the kind of the, 
I don't know about you, but when you initially got diagnosed, did you kind of feel a bit alone with it? I don't literally, I remember being told about it and then you just like nothing happened. Like there was no, I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. I, literally, I had no recollection. Well, the, the what the charity did, it kind of gave me, it was almost a bit like social media in the sense of if you go on TikTok, you can type in something and there'll be someone like you on there. Whereas the charity kind of gave me that, but in real life and people that I could relate to. And it just, yeah, it gave me a sense of community, which was kind of missing. I kind mm -hmm. of felt like what, you know, my mates, you know, they do all kind of stuff. They, you know, do drugs, drink and all this stuff. And I don't do any of that. And I've got Crohn's. How does that make sense? You know, and it's kind of like weird. And then you realize, then you meet the people via the charity and you're like, oh, actually, they're just like me, you know, but they've just been dealt this card. And it's like, you know, well, what you find as well with the charity like yourself, and I can sense this as well from, from speaking to you, is like you have like um, quite a, a good outlook on life and you're hopeful. And it's like, and I think, yeah, everyone that I've met via the charity, like they channel that kind of energy. And I think that's that's infectious to be around as well um and then also you know they're a great kind of advice helpline and all that kind of stuff and they just I think they just make you feel a bit less alone really so and I'm yeah really happy and proud to be working with them you do have a lot of great support and I think as well with a condition like like the IBD and things is it is the symptoms and kind of how people feel are the and the stigma and stereotypes are things yeah. that people are naturally embarrassed about, like going to the toilet more and things like that. Yeah. They're things that as a society, it's it's and, and that's what the charity is doing is helping to break that stigma, being like, no, this is normal, this is fine. People don't yeah. talk about that, but actually most people feel like this or like that. So it is a really worthwhile and great charity. Um, I just wanted to ask what tips or advice would you give to someone? Say if say if they're listening to this and they've just been diagnosed with or know someone who has, like what would you what would you say to them? I'd say a couple of things. I'd say, you know. <sighs> try to be kind to yourself and try not to be too hard on yourself. And like, you know, you're going to have good days and bad days. And I think just when you do have those good days, just kind of live your life. But the, one of the biggest things that I found is you can never escape it. So like, for example, like with food, you'll be like, Oh, you know, I'm feeling good. I can have this. Like you can't really outrun it. Um, so I would say, you know, the main thing is obviously finding the best kind of uh, gastro doctor. Uh, I joined uh, St. Mark's uh, Bow Hospital in London, and that's been kind of life changing. You know, I, my mum uh, mentioned this, mentioned the hospital quite a lot. And um, initially when I got diagnosed and I never was kind of close enough to kind of get into it. Uh, you know, I was based in Liverpool at one point and. You know, I think it's just that it's a case of learning how to manage it and also just being kind to yourself and realizing it is a journey and you're going to learn a lot in the process and hopefully things will get better. You know, for the first two years or three years of my journey with Crohn's, it was kind of like a lost wilderness of kind of like I couldn't nav navigate my way into good health from that. Um, but it's a lot more manageable, you know, um, these days and, and, you know, having a stoma or anything like that, I generally don't think about it that much really I kind of you know my main focus is uh, my music and just making sure that like you know um I'm happy really yeah so 
surely you must be planning a tour or what's next for you once yeah you so um you'll have to come to a show by the way we'll get you a get you a full up uh with tom spate swag uh t-shirts candles uh <laughs> all of that stuff tote bags and yeah you have to come to a tour date but um we are playing in the uk in september and october and all tickets are on my website and yeah it's going to be exciting it's the some of the biggest shows i've ever played actually like london is um yeah it's, it's it's yeah it's looking really exciting they are playing the islington assembly hall in london and um yeah it's such a beautiful venue so yeah really excited for touring and just to see everyone you know i think the last album was kind of released during covid so it was kind of a bit weird mm. uh in the sense of you know releasing a record through that and um it feels like now you know obviously you've got the cost of living crisis but it feels like now i'm kind of you know hopefully we can play as much as we can really yeah, for sure. Well, thanks so much for coming on to chat all about. No, thanks for having us on. It's been great. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at From a Lancashire Lass.